0: Of Sacramento,
1: three on one, Bagley the step, Bagley with the
0: dunk, and you can put it in the book, and send it to the left, there it is, Buddy Hill, alone at the top of the Kings record book, oh, I like to see Fox force 5 in the open court, Pit-box. into the lane, oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball
1: welcome to another episode of the king's pulse podcast my name is brendan nunez got the usual co-host here as well rich ivanowski how you doing rich
0: i'm doing well man um we had some technical difficulties but we got into a little bit of uh family feud talk so i think i'll carry that over it and and just if you want to repeat it for the listeners what's your what's your family feud take you think it's a good show
1: yeah, I can't say I've seen it recently, but Steve Harvey is an entertaining host, so I can get behind some like YouTube clips of it.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think he's got uh, an impressive mustache, this is but true. it's always struck me as a weird show, and uh, the reason why I'm asking is that uh, my wife is watching it right now in the other room. I just thought that was weird. I'm like, what? I've never met a human being that actually watched family feud but she's watching it and she actually was watching the uh chris paul steph curry episode that's a good one apparently so yeah yeah, no i i don't know i've only ever seen it like in the background of
1: things but are you are you still getting used to saying your wife
0: i'm super uncomfortable with it i want to (laughs) say it in the borat voice there you go I've been fighting myself from saying it before. (laughs) I actually said it on the the Sacton Royalty podcast that came out today. Uh, I said, (laughs) my wife... Anyway, (laughs) uh, my wife is watching Family Feud, and I thought that was just a weird move. But anyway,
1: uh, we get to some basketball talk here, I suppose. How are you doing, Brendan? I'm doing good, man. I think uh, I'm excited to be watching all of these Summer League games. I've been working during the days during the week so missing some of them but catching up when i'm off and it's just nice to have some new basketball and i'm enjoying it because i know we're gonna reach a really big dead season here yeah we definitely
0: are we'll have to we'll have to resurrect this family feud discussion and maybe get some uh some pringles chat in there too
1: (laughs) Yep, but today I think that we are going to go Q&A style, and we have a couple different places that we take questions from, and we want to make sure that all the listeners are aware of this also, so that way you can get whatever questions in here to us. Uh, we have Twitter, obviously, that I feel like a lot of people follow us. If you don't, it's at Kings underscore Pulse. We are also on Reddit. If it's just the King subreddit, we will be sticky to the top, a and a there. Every single week, it will always be stuck up there. You can ask us questions wherever. And also part of that subreddit, there's a Discord that I'm a part of. So we are all over social media. You can follow myself or Rich. Ask us questions on Twitter, independently, anywhere. So we have a couple questions here, and I think that's what we're going to dive into today, Rich.
0: Yeah, for sure. And for anyone that is like super not into Twitter or Reddit. I know there are people out there. And uh, for those folks, we do have a good old-fashioned Gmail account. If you want to email us at kingspulsepodcast at gmail.com, uh, feel free to to send us some questions there as well.
1: Yep, there we go. And I think the very first one we have here is going to touch on Summer League a little bit. And I think that we are also stepping away from it for a little bit, maybe not recap every single game, but once Vegas wraps up, we have a friend that is there right now that we'll probably talk to and go over it in its entirety. But we have this from Kevin Chavez. What do you guys think of Kyle Guy? He's been really good after seeing his performances. Do you think he'll have a role with the Kings early in the season? And we've said what we like about Guy a lot. Um, in regards to him, ha- him having a role on the Sacramento roster next season, what are your thoughts there, Rich?
0: Yeah, we talked a lot about him with Blake, um, on Sunday night's episode. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the, if the question is specifically, does, will he have a role with the Kings early in the season? I, I'm a pretty firm no on that. Um, but yeah, so there's a theme to a lot of the questions this week, and they're going to be, um uh, I don't know if you want to kind of move through them quickly and then kinda of answer them as a whole, the first three here, but uh they're kind of all related to uh you know, what role do we think which players will have, but uh I'll defer to you there.
1: Yeah, I think that maybe we can talk on at least just briefly, because I like I said, I think we will dive into it later, um, our opinions on Guy, and then the second question question is on Gabriel, and then maybe just Justin James a little bit. Um just their role next year, which really is nothing to be honest. I mean, Kyle guy has got nice shooting. That's going to translate, but the defense isn't there. It kind of feels opposite for Justin James. For me, I've been impressed by his defense, um, kind of switching one to three, even though that is only summer league, but the offense needs some work and Gabriel has a lot of tools, but it's still just really raw to me. Uh, we've seen a two-way contract for guy. Maybe he sees occasional minutes, but none of these guys are part of the rotation next season. For
0: sure, I think that's really pretty pretty right on to say about James that he's kind of he's showing really well on defense and he's not showing up at all on offense and and Kyle's kind of the opposite of that. I think that he's doing his best on defense, but yeah, um, it's just hard to understand who what he who he what would his responsibility be. Um, is he going to defend opposing shooting guards? And if so like how cooked is he going to get by those guys? I just, it's going to, you know, one thing that Blake had said when we talked about him a little more in depth was, um, you know, it's going to have to be very matchup based because you try to put Kyle Guy on Bradley Beal
1: for four minutes. That's yeah. like a massive problem, right? There's no way he could guard the likes of those guys, but I think even some bench players couldn't guard players that are as good as bradley beals level so that's not necessarily the marker for uh getting nba minutes but i totally get what you're saying because what i mean what position you are is about what you're guarding and that's always going to be the big question for guy but to go off Wenyan gabriel a little bit we had a question we mentioned it was from john catterson one of the friends of the podcast asking would you rather keep Gabriel on his two-way contract or sign him to a normal contract and be able to utilize him all season long while still playing him in Stockton a lot and it's practically what we just said I don't see the need for a regular contract I don't think he's getting those minutes in the NBA uh, I like where he's heading towards but he's raw still needs a lot of fine-tuning to do and the best place to do that is in Stockton
0: yeah Um it seems that there's no real reason to move Wenyan uh, up to a real contract right now. Um, I I did not realize that his 2A was a two-year-long contract. So, I mean, I would like to see him in Sacramento for at least part of the season. But, I mean, you know, depending on how it all plays out, there's a situation where they could keep him in Sacramento for 45 days. Uh, and then... You know, at that point, convert him to a minimum deal. Um, so it's it's not like there's any urgency to it. Uh, and I, you know, I guess if you feel like you want to put James on another two way, then you would have to give Wenyin a real deal or risk him, you know, going wherever any team that that chooses to sign him. So I don't know. I, I I'm higher on Gabriel than I am on Guy. Uh, and higher than both of them than i am, am on james to be sure um i think though you know just just to jump back to guy for a minute you're you're definitely right about um a lot of players not being able to guard brad Beal. but i was just kind of throwing that out more as like a physical um, example where i mean you even look at it doesn't necessarily need to be a starter but if you get ma- if he gets smashed up on a guy who's like a legit six, 200 pounds. Like that's just a real, real serious issue for him.
1: Yeah. That's a good point. And I think that also holds some weight with Justin James. I mean, we said he liked his defense, but he definitely still needs to put on a couple pounds.
0: Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I know I like the frame more. I like the length more. Um, he's a guy that I could see, you know, really, you know, really like strengthening up and then Becoming like it makes sense to me to see him guarding a an opposing shooting guard, but for a guy like again, you know, I've seen him listed at six two and six three. I, you know, I've seen him in person. I think he's six one. Um, so you know, take that for for whatever it's worth, which isn't much. But um, you know, it's just one of those things. So maybe he's six one and a half, and maybe everyone in the NBA gets an extra inch on those measurements. So. It doesn't matter that much, but it's going to be tough because Guy probably needs to find a way to be able to guard opposing point guards. I think he does have the fight and the quickness uh, to do that. Hmm. Um, You know, preferably uh, reserve point guards and bench point guards. Like, I'm not, obviously, don't want him against some sort of superstar creator. That's going to be an issue until he gets some experience under his belt, but. That feels like the maybe the path is, you know, maybe there's a scenario where Darren Fox is guarding the two and Kyle Guy is guarding the one, or Corey Joseph is guarding the two Kyle Guy is gar- guarding the one. You know, down the road, obviously, but maybe there's a scenario where it works like that. Um, and again, I would love to see Kyle Guy get starting point guard minutes in Stockton. I think that would be actually pretty exciting for Stockton. I think that would put some some butts and some seats in Stockton, and it would be really helpful for his um uh, his progression and his uh development in the nba
1: agreed because we said it before i mean he looks like more of a shooting guard right now like you said kind of a shooting guard that you hope would be able to guard ones uh but he definitely has point guard capabilities what we saw in play at virginia if he gets that opportunity in stockton he can work through the passing decision making a little bit but do we want to kind of move in here to guys that we think will be impact players next year rotation guys actually that's the next question we have here it's eric with three c's 32 from reddit what do you think the player rotations should should be um so i guess starting i mean starting lineup i feel like this is clear fox buddy barnes bagley deadman right yeah for
0: sure i think that's set in stone um and I saw that this question has been echoing around a lot. I, I think someone got to it on Twitter, uh, someone in the, the Discord chat as well. So this definitely feels like the topic of the day and something we can we can kind of dig into as the meat of the episode. Yes, uh, I went ahead and broke it down how how I would sort it out. Um, I even filled out the roster in you know to me what would be ideal. I went one through 17 because you know you can have uh, the two ways. They don't really count to the 15 roster spots. Uh, You can you can carry 14 or 15, and then you can have up to two additional two-way contracts. So I actually went all the way down to 17, and I divided up some minutes and put some rotations out there. Um, so how would you want to do this? Do you want to do how you fill out the rotation for, or how you fill out the roster first? So you want to go rotation, lineups. I I also have it broken down by position, so I've got point guard minutes separated out from shooting guard minutes and so on. How would you feel about me giving you my exact minute breakdown and then you, because you have that reference, you can tell me, is that more or is it less and does that make sense? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right, so I've got a a hard 10-man rotation here. Um, It was tough to figure out with the the center oh. position with Holmes and Giles and Dedman. And I also want to get a little bit of Bagley at the five, but I'm going to go from point guard to up to center, uh, starting with point guard. I've got Darren Fox for 32 minutes and I've got Corey Joseph for 16. And that's all I got for point guard.
1: Okay. So you're not feeling any Yogi Ferrell minutes here, huh?
0: No, I I can't start with him in the rotation. We can't have like a 12-man rotation to start with. And for me, this is going to be ideal. You know, this is in an ideal scenario. You know, Yogi's going to get minutes when a game gets out of hand, whether they're blowing out another team or they're getting blown out themselves. He's going to get minutes like that. Uh, there's probably going to be some rest divided around. That's really big in the NBA right now. I have nothing against Darren Fox getting one or two nights off. I have nothing think against Joseph getting four or five nights off uh, throughout the season. So he's going to get his minutes and, you know, God forbid injuries as well. But I think I see him kind of in that, you know, whatever the third point guard was last year. I, I don't think that, I don't think that Frank Mason was getting a ton of minutes when Yogi was the backup. I don't think Yogi was getting a ton of minutes when Mason was the backup, you know?
1: Yeah, agreed. So you said 32 minutes for Fox. He had 31.4 last year. I said that that's staying about the same. I mean, Fox ran the team last year. He's the biggest impact player. I think those minutes, um, that's just how much you can play him and also still having depth, keeping him a little bit fresh. Um, I'm the same with you there. Corey Joseph last year played 25 minutes. There were point guard questions, a little bit of Indiana at times you had him at 16. I think I would go a little bit higher here, maybe like a 18 minute mark for Joseph. Um, My question is, do you think that there's times we see Joseph and Fox at the floor at the same times, or do you have them split, uh, splitting minutes? They never see it together. I mean, the situation I would see with them being on is that's probably your best defense rather than having buddy, but you're sacrificing a lot of scoring.
0: You're sacrificing a ton of offense in that scenario. And that also means you're not, you don't have bogey on the floor or you're playing one of them out of position at, at the 3. Um so you know, I I have Joseph stuck at 16. I have I really used round numbers here. I only gave out 32, 24, 16 and 8 as the minute chunks here, so Okay. Uh, it's kind of like more in a tier sense of like yeah, okay. you know, these are the the players that get the most, you know. But yeah, this is how I see it, because I think that Joseph will play a little bit at the two, but again, that's situational, you know? So I'm not if I'm if I'm writing this out as what a nightly sort of template looks like, uh I think he plays the backup one and that's that's his job.
1: Yeah, agreed there. And then I think if we're if we're looking at the two is kind of almost where Yogi could even see a little bit of minutes, if, say, that you had uh, Joseph running that or bogeys running your second unit, something like that. I, I just think that Farrell compared to Joseph and Fox has more off ball skills. So I agree with you that I think that, you know, when it comes down to it uh, towards the end, he'll get worked out of the rotation, but at the beginning of the year, you're definitely going to see some Yogi Farrell minutes.
0: Yeah, I guess it happens. I, I struggle to see a world where like you mentioned, Joseph got 24 minutes last year uh it's hard and you know this is an equation with with joseph only getting 16 and then that still feels low like how are we getting yogi minutes on top of that uh it's just hard for me to see a a real place for him but that's where i'm at with point guard moving on to shooting guard um i've got a the same basic breakdown with buddy at 32 and bogey at 16 and then i've also I've held some minutes for bogey in in the small forward position, so he's going to end up with 24 minutes total, 16 at shooting guard, and 8 at the 3.
1: Are you currently paying off student debt, interested in improving your financial literacy, or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakhani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. <laughs> So then, if you have some okay, well, first of all, you said you said you're 32 for Bogey. I'm for Buddy. Sorry, he had 31.9 last year. Same argument as Fox. There, um, there's a couple guys that even we'll we'll get into some fun rotations and lineups later. There's a couple guys that we're seeing in a lot of them, and Fox and Buddy are definitely one of those. Uh, agreed with the Buddy numbers. Bogey, he played nearly 28 minutes per game last year, 27.8, and. Your totals had him twenty four. I know you got tears, but if you're playing him some of those small forward minutes, um, then you need a shooting guard. Isn't that kind of the Yogi Ferrell situation I was talking about?
0: Um, in that scenario, I would be I would be getting bogey on the floor with Buddy. Oh, so, right, got it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, got it. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I come around. If you're doing those tiers, uh, I'm totally with you here. But Bogey is still the sixth man on this team.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and this for me, it's you. You bring Bogey on. I'll get to it. Uh, I can. I can kind of mention it as we go through. But uh, I was going to get to my. The only real lineup I have here is a small ball lineup, and it's where these extra eight minutes come from at small forward, power forward, and center. So I've basically got you know, a 32 minute slot and a 16 minute slot at point guard and shooting guard. And then small forward, power forward and center, I've got three different levels of slots. One is 24 minutes, one is 16 minutes, and one is eight minutes. And so that eight minute small ball lineup would be, you know, you could have Fox or Joseph, but then it'd be Buddy at the two, Bogey at the three, Barnes at the four, Bagley at the five.
1: And I'm definitely with you there. I think and you were saying that's that's kind of your first sub, you imagine, right?
0: That is, that is, that's how I would do it. I would have the first sub uh, in each half. I'd go small, and yeah, I'd get. I basically, you know, you keep Barnes and Bagley in the lineup, but you you move them up a position, and you you slide Bogey in and kind of do a three guard thing, or you can, you, you know, it doesn't matter what you call it. Uh, bogey can. Yeah. If he wants to, if you, you know, if you want to call it a, another forward, you can call it that, but it's probably just a, a three guard lineup.
1: So I think that my first sub is actually going to be Bogey replacing Bagley. And I think that I'm keeping Deadman in the starting lineup. And then we see the same thing we did last year. Bagley likes to be able to make plays where if he can be the guy on the second unit, I think that that could be a good situation for him.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, um, you're saying that you're saying that Bogey likes to be the
1: guy on the second unit. No. So, uh, talking of first substitutions, if mm. you had Bogey coming in for um, f- who was it here for Deadman, right? And then you for moved Deadman. Barnes and Begley down. Yes. Okay. So, I'm saying that I think if we did uh, Fox healed, and then you swapped out. Uh, bogey for bagley you have bogey at the three barnes at the four deadman at the five i think that once you got the other starters out and then we're able Mm -hmm. to put bagley back in with that bench unit then that could be a really nice role for him where he's the guy so
0: I'm, i'm i'm interested about this why do you think that what's the advantage of having bagley in there with the
1: backups I think that he he's going to get opportunities to iso get the ball on the low post more so if you and then those bench lineups are going to be kind of some shooters around him like you have you have Ariza, you have Belly. So I think him being able to go to work more than he would with the starters.
0: Yeah, I see I think those are the were the worst minutes net rating wise for this team last year. And it makes sense. It's like you've got a super young, super raw big man, and he's surrounded by suboptimal talent. Like the bench is better this year, so it's it's less of a disaster. And Bagley will be in his second year, but I think I think if anything, you want Bagley surrounded by uh, the you know the, the best players possible. You want him in the best supported situation. So I I can get it where it's like all right, we're going full every possession, you know, the ball's in Bagley's hands and he's doing it. But that, you know, him going to work um, basically every time down the court, that hasn't been super fruitful in terms of actually winning basketball.
1: That's fair. I I understand that argument. But I do also think that there's some potential there for Bagley where being able to give the ball to a guy down low and just him get you a bucket, I think that Bagley being able to work through that um, so I think that's something to watch for. I mean, what is that first rotation? Um, I definitely understand your point of view there. Do you want to move into some of the small forward minutes you have?
0: For sure. And here I've got so I've got twenty four, sixteen, and eight uh, for the final three positions. Here I've got Barnes with twenty four, Ariza with sixteen, and Bogey with that extra eight, which which would bring Bogey to twenty four. Maybe I'll start just by asking you. Uh, What did he play last year, minutes-wise?
1: Bogey had 27.8 minutes.
0: So this is a downgrade, and it's not by a ton, but it's something that I think I'd actually be very comfortable with. What about you?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, sure, going down a little bit, um, I don't think is a big deal. I pretty much said I think Bogey's minutes are going to stay about the same. Um, I do understand going down because, like we've said, there's a lot more depth this year, but bogey, just having a defined role is going to make us feel those minutes more. I feel like whether that be completely running the second unit or that first guy in and playing a lot of minutes with, uh, four other starters next to him, I think is still a little bit to be determined, but him actually having a role is going to matter more than the amount of minutes that he's given. I feel like
0: for sure. I I'm with you a hundred percent. And I think that you know this harkens back to the beginning of our podcast, but we talked a lot about Bogey kind of breaking down over time. How his second year in the league was not as strong as his first year. About how uh, his his post All Star numbers have been worse than his pre All Star game numbers, uh, both seasons. So you know maybe trimming a few minutes off of his uh, his his workload is okay, uh, and maybe gives you a little bit you know, a little bit more quality, a little bit less, less uh, quantity. And I, I think that's, that's okay. And not to mention that Bogey had to, to start a couple of games and there was, a, you know, in that weird confusion with Shumpert and who's the starting three. Uh, I think that it kind of, he kind of really only was intended to play 24 minutes for a lot of the season. So that was inflated a little bit by a lack of a small forward, but the 24 doesn't feel like a downgrade in role.
1: No, I don't think so. Um, That sounds totally right to me. I was more interested in your other small forward numbers. So last year, when Barnes was on the team in Sacramento, he actually averaged the most minutes. And when I was making my lineups, Barnes was a guy that was really hard to leave off. Like, he fit everywhere. We could play him at the three. We could play him at the four. He plays defense, hits 40-plus from beyond the arc. He does everything. Last year, he had 34 minutes. Um... Again, a little repetitive. There's a lot of depth. Minutes are going to go down for guys a bit. But I think that I might be having Barnes in that 32 tier um, if we were going by your tier list.
0: Yeah, so I do actually have him at 32. So he's the guy that slides up for eight minutes for me in the small ball lineup. So he's got eight minutes at power forward. Oh, for got me. it. Got it. Okay, yeah, that makes which, sense. Which feels about right too. Like, as far as he did play the most minutes, and that again kind of felt like we just don't have any other forwards. Uh, so it that was where were inflated a bit too. I felt like so thirty two. I think we're kind of on the same page there.
1: Yeah, agreed. And then so Ariza, do you want to take a guess at how many minutes he played last year?
0: I actually know this because I I looked it up to this be like this was this was insane. I was like, is giving reason 16 minutes way too rob a deal? He played
1: 35-plus. <laughs> yeah, so he played 34 minutes. Nine of the last 10 years, he's played at least 33.9 minutes. Yeah, that's it, wild. Especially, like, he is aging. I mean, but I, he just fits in everyone's system. It's almost the same sort of thing as Barnes. He's a guy that you can plug in anywhere for the most part. I mean... If I was being a little bit wild with some of my lineups and you could play him two to four, really. I mean, yeah. with, there's a little bit of question at the two, but if you're just running a point, three, four, uh, three wings and a big, Ariza totally fits.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's, I mean, you could even, if, you know, it depends all on health. So if Bialitza were to miss time, uh, you can see him getting those minutes. Uh, as a backup power forward. Uh, if if he looks like more of a four than Barnes, you could see Barnes playing, you know, 32 minutes at small forward and Ariza getting, you know, him being the one that slides up. So, yeah.
1: Yep. So you had him in that uh, 24 tier, right?
0: Ariza I have at 16.
1: Oh, God. I it.
0: just, yeah. So I I just, it's 24 Barnes, Ariza 16, Eight for Bogey at the small forward spot. I just don't I literally don't see a way
1: to carve out more time for him. Uh it's this team's deep, man. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll question you a little bit on this. Uh because maybe like like we said, there's like for a a two minutes at shooting guard three minutes at, I mean, and even not the shooting guard, but there's a minute or so at shooting guard and then three minutes at power forward and that adds a few, you know, or something like that. But if we, if we went into the power forward guys a little bit, because I think there's guys you could knock minutes off here, maybe give a little bit more to some others. What did you have?
0: Uh, Again, I went with 24, 16 and eight, and I went Bagley with 24. The Elisa with 16 and Barnes with the eight sliding up. So that puts Barnes at 32 And then I also, you know, just for reference here, Bagley's my guy sliding up. So he'll be at 32 as well. But that's just for the power forward spot. I got Bagley at 24, Bielitsa at 16, Barnes with eight.
1: Yeah. And so Bagley last year, 25.3 minutes. I think, I mean, he is one of our guys. We've talked about him even potentially having a higher ceiling than Fox, but 32 minutes seems a little steep. Uh I know that he's going to see that five a little bit also or we want him to but having Deadman Giles and Holmes and I like Bielita as a shooter, there's just a little bit of a logjam of good talent here which is a good problem to have but I struggle to get to quite that number. It's somewhere between the 24-32 for Bagley for me.
0: Personally, I gotta think that if he's their guy, he was picked number two overall. He's supposed to be the you know a cornerstone of the franchise. Yeah. I think you got to get him up there. Like Fox had thirty two as a sophomore last year. I think you got to get him up there. I I you know I can see it being lower than that as well. But what did he play again last year? Twenty five. So it can't it can't just be like you know it, I, maybe it's just twenty eight, but. Yeah. It would seem crazy to not really boost him up on that.
1: That's fair. I, I think that, or, well, how many did you say for Bieliza? I assume he's taking a big hit here, right? He's taking a hit, but I have him at 16. Okay. I think that there's even an argument to put Bieliza in the 8 tier because of then there's more minutes to Ariza at the, small fo- at the power forward or even Barnes at the power forward.
0: I can see that as well. I think that he is probably the biggest candidate to lose minutes here, but at the same time, I, he pairs, yeah, he pairs so well. If we're looking at outside of Deadman, right? Any other center on this roster, even if you include Bagley as that, he's the ideal pairing there, really. I mean, you could, maybe you say, maybe we see a lot more Ariza at the three. Barnes at the four, and then whoever at the five—you know, be it Giles, be it Holmes, be it Bagley—but outside of that, I just think is as a starting starting place. I mean, the guy was electric from three, 40 percent shooter. We just saw this new stat come out today—the Draymond stat from uh, five thirty-eight. Had Bealitza as the best defender on the team last year. <laughs> So
1: clearly you know, I'm not
0: saying I'm not saying that he technically you know I'm not saying that he really truthfully was that, but as far as you know making the right decision and contesting shots like he does what he is supposed to do and especially with young guys like Holmes and Giles and Bagley, he seems like the perfect complementary piece to that so I wouldn't count him out and again remember uh, you know this is vade's guy too he he brought him back from yep. going to Europe. And he probably told him, listen, man, and I've got a spot for you. i got a role for you. Maybe it's not the 23, 24 minutes you saw last year. But I think that they, you know, I, it'd be hard for me to see him dropping below 13, 12 minutes.
1: That's fair. I can get behind that. I think that like we even saw last year a bit, it will be a bit streaky though. There will be times where he's seeing a lot of minutes and then other moments where maybe the shot's not falling and he falls out a little bit. And I think that's because, like we said, there's a lot of front court depth. And I feel like someone's going to be left to dry here a little bit in your centers.
0: That could happen. So I'll move on to to the center spot. Uh, I have Deadman at 24, Giles at so I put Giles at 16, but I'll I'll let me asterisk that for a second. And Bagley at eight. So eight, you know, he's getting his other eight minutes there for Bagley. So he's going to get 32 total uh, in this this structure uh deadman's getting that 24 i believe he's only a 25 minute guy in atlanta so that's not a big he's not taking a big hit i think that's totally fine for a guy uh his age he's not he's not old but he doesn't need to be getting 30 minutes a night and then the asterisks on giles for 16 uh, this i really want to write in as 16 minutes between giles and Holmes, and i think it's a competition really uh, i think you could see it split down the middle to start whoever you know ride the hot hand kind of thing but i'll give the edge to get, uh giles because he's been here before um he has that sort of stake within the team he's he's here he's working for it but on the flip side of that he's got the injury concerns so i can see this going 16 minutes to Holmes, which is around what he played in phoenix last year
1: yeah so deadman really quickly uh 25 minutes last year and I, I think you're spot on. I mean, Willie Colley-Stein was playing 27 for us as a starting center. Um, A little bit less, less there for our new starter and Deadman, and spreading it out with the rest. Totally agree with you. Um Giles and Holmes. I agree with, obviously, you know, Giles is going to have his injury concerns. Holmes will be able to step in in those minutes. Um To me, it, you feel like these are the same level here that like they should be comp- competing it, it almost is obviously bagley was more talent bagley's the number two guy but it really feels like giles is part of this core too so i feel like you could give the same argument to a lesser extent that you had for bagley where he's one of your guys so he kind of needs to get some of these minutes
0: so 16 isn't enough
1: i i mean it was 14 last year and I think that we felt like we wanted to see a little more, right? We wanted to see more, but I mean, I wanted
0: to see more from Giles. I, wa- you know, he 14 minutes a night, a lot of that was rough. Uh, you know, yeah. listen, there I am on record here. There is no bigger Giles fan, Harry Giles fan than me. Like that's that's <laughs> canon. <We> need proof. <laughs> that's established, right? <laughs> I don't need to defend that. However, 16 minutes a night for a guy that there's legitimate durability concerns there are legitimate production concerns regarding you know the foul stuff he got a lot better with that near down the end of the season but then the team shut him down you know like this is a guy that if you said to me right now giles plays 70 games and he gets 16 minutes a night i would say i'll take the under on that bet uh truthfully
1: that's fair. I can get behind that. But I guess splitting it between him and Holmes, uh, I mean, if they're both healthy, one of those guys is going to be unhappy, right? That's why I like the Holmes signing and the depth is always nice. He does very different things than Giles and Deadman, but I just worry. I mean, he was only 16, almost 17 minutes last year. But if like we're talking, that's split between himself and Giles now hopefully there's no getting unhappy with playing time.
0: Yeah, hopefully not. And this is probably the player with the biggest risk of of some unhappiness with Holmes. But, uh, you know, I think that I I started with Holmes at zero, and that's going to seem really harsh. But, again, there's a lot of factors here. you got to think about the blowouts in either direction. you got to think about injury concerns. He's probably looking up on the death chart and seeing Giles – who's had the durability issues, and Deadman who's not been like a superstar, you know, by any means in the league, and he's thinking, I'm cool. And, and another thing you got to consider here is that the center market is really rough in free agency. There's guys like Willie Colstein who get paid $4 million over <laughs> over two years. And I'm not trying to be facetious about that. Like Colley Stein was a starting center. His full payday, you know, Four and a half million, and half of that is a team option for next year. So, you know, uh, or a player option, excuse me. So that's like a really rough scenario. I mean, this is, there's, there's, there's better players than Holmes that got less than 10 million in the bank. And I think that he probably was getting offers from Phoenix. They were like, hey, we'll bring you back at the minimum. We'll bring you back at, at 2 million, 3 million. Uh, and he was like, no, I'll take that 10 million. I'll, my bank account just went up by eight digits. Like, I'm oh, yeah. chill I'm chilling here I'm gonna yeah maybe I only get five or six minutes a night over the first half of the season but I know that I'm good I can prove my way you know I can pass some of these guys yeah
1: yeah I mean I'm totally on board with you there I guess uh if we're going into centers a little bit here when do you see the ideal time to play each one of these guys between Deadman, Giles Holmes and Begley a little bit also So,
0: Deadman is your starter. I mean, right? Yeah, we, I think we mentioned that for sure.
1: He kind of fits everywhere.
0: He fits, especially with Bagley at the four. So, it's, there's a little bit of redundancy of skill with, with Deadman and Bielica. So, there's no necessary fit there. Even when Barnes or even Ariza at the four, you don't need the shooting as much. I think that he's a big, uh, insurance policy on Bagley's shot. Making sure that, you know, if he's, if he's not able to really stretch the floor, then you've got Deadman able to do that. So, uh, give Bagley the space down low to work and he can, he can, you know, stand in the corner, what have you. So that's the pair that I like there. I think that you want to start with Bagley and Deadman at the four or five and you want to see that a lot. I think you, you want to see that, uh, that pair by far the most. And then I think, like I mentioned, Bielitsa, um, I would put him with, Whoever kind of wins out in this this Giles Holmes thing, uh, I am secretly yeah. convinced that Giles can shoot. I've seen it in Stockton. I think we mentioned this way back, but yeah. he hit a 8 of 11 of his three-point attempts in three games in Stockton. So, dude can shoot. I don't know that he's got the confidence or the experience uh you know he don't, i don't know that he has the reps in the nba to be confident with the shot i don't know if he's got the reps in the nba for his coach to let him be confident with the shot but if he's not shooting it and and holmes has a weird history of of he did shoot for a little bit and then he stopped shooting <laughs> completely so if he's not shooting either you know be elites is the natural fit to me there and again like you said you know barnes or uh Ariza could steal some of those minutes as well
1: Holmes is the one that feels very situational here to me and it's it, he gives me an opportunity or the Kings an opportunity to play a full five-man switch I feel like Holmes is our best big at switching on guards and you know if you're going against a Portland and that's how you decide you want to defend the pick and roll or Houston anything like that um that Holmes really could work that I mean working through some defensive lineups that's where Holmes, I saw a fit. And then that's when, like you said, I mean, you need Belly. You need Bagley there for spacing, Belly specifically. Um, but Deadman fits everywhere because he does everything. Giles, we have that upside, like you talked about, a little bit of faith in the shot. Uh, he's a nice passer. So even more spacing from Belly. Um, I'm totally on board with you there. Did you have any specific lineups of five different players together that intrigued you?
0: So I think that the Holmes thing is interesting to talk about. I'm not as sold on the switching as you are, I think. I actually kind of like Harry more as a switching guy, but um, I, I you know, I haven't watched a ton of Suns stuff. I probably saw a handful of games last year, saw him a little bit in Philly as well, but from what I've seen I, I have some questions. I've heard people that cover the Suns have serious questions about it, but then I've heard other people like yourself Say, hey, I like, like how this guy's versatility is. He can do it. I, I will keep an eye on that. I know that they're, I know that he's great, uh, defending opposing centers. I know he's great at that. Um, the question is recognition stuff, uh, and how will this system fit his ability to recognize what he has to do and how will he adapt to the system? We don't even really know what the system's going to be. Uh, so there's a lot of question marks there, but, the Holmes fit is really interesting when guys are getting beat up because Deadman is a perfectly fine center, got some size, but he's not a behemoth. You know, he's not a strong man. He's not coming in here and, and pushing people around. He's no Steven Adams, what have you. Uh, Giles, still a very young guy, 20 years old, still <clears throat> needs to add a little bit of weight, uh, add some durability, but if we're getting beat up, In the post, this is when you bring in Rashawn Holmes.
1: The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Just going into Rashawn Holmes' synergy profile a little bit, there were some absurd numbers. He was in the 98th percentile in transition offense, 77.1%, and he hardly turned the ball over in most situations that he was doing. And this is because, I mean, Holmes has a very limited amount of time with the ball in his hands, obviously um, six in the NBA in transition field goal percentage. Uh, Willie Cauley Stein was eighth for a little bit of reference. Willie Colleystein Stein was very good in that regards um, in the half court. He was the 94th percentile of finishing around the basket, 65%. He is very efficient and he's the definition of knowing his role which is going to be really nice for Kings fans.
0: He's a really interesting guy. Like, you know, everything he did last year on a permanent basis, on a per possession basis was absurd. But again, we, you look at the Phoenix suns and, and you wonder how translatable is 16 minutes of backup play for the Phoenix suns. How translatable is that to, uh, you know potentially borderline starting minutes uh for a borderline playoff team if if that's what he ends up if that's what they end up wanting out of him if if you know i mean because again i think that the lane is there like the opportunity is there for homes to take as many minutes as as he's worth right if he if he pops and he becomes a guy that well, wait a minute. None of this was a fluke, and he could, he actually is this dude. He just is this dude. You know, he could absolutely take a starting role by the end of this yeah. contract. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's such a mystery with him because, like, we we often write off the Pelicans. Uh, you know, any numbers that came out of New Orleans or or uh, Memphis in the second half of the year, we're just like, well, these numbers are just crazy inflated because there was no team defense. There was yeah. just it was just. There weren't play you know, it was like double tanking teams, like a tanking team playing another tanking team. And <laughs> so, you know, it's hard to know exactly, but Holmes is definitely like the biggest mystery box that, that has come out of this offseason.
1: Yeah. And you know, you had a really good point. I think that thinking through what this Sacramental weakness not might be, um it feels like guarding those strong bigs down low, which the league is definitely transitioning away from and the Kings plan on just running and running and running and any of those big guys should get ran off the floor but I mean say the best example is probably Joel Embiid um, I don't know how we would stop that guy it's not like there's many players that necessarily can um, but if you're looking at the rest of the top tier I mean Giannis is extremely difficult to guard but those guys along with you know Kawhi, Paul George, Braun it feels like your best chance is going to be throwing Barnes on him, which is the best option Kings has had in a long time. And I don't think that Barnes is stopping anybody, but I think he's a viable option there.
0: As an exercise, let's look at the most dangerous team in the world right now, the LA Clippers. Isn't there, so so I was talking about this on another podcast that I recorded recently and I was saying that the, the scariest lineup in the world, uh, right now is Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, uh, and Montrez Harrell, right? Do we yeah. agree that's like, just like shaking in your boots? Yeah, it's terrifying. Here? Absolutely terrifying. There's an interesting argument you could make that, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a squad here in Sacramento that you could put out there and not feel that terrible about your chances to at least hang in those minutes and for me it, it might be De'Aaron Fox, Corey Joseph at the two, put him on Lou, Pester Lou Williams, put put Ariza and Bonds out there try to do their best on Kawhi and Paul George at least you know hey they're three and D wings like at least yeah. they've tried to do that before uh, then you throw Holmes on Montrez and just let it be and we just slug
1: it out like that. Okay, so you had you had Fox, Joseph, Barnes, Ariza, Holmes.
0: Yeah, and it's this is talking like a fist fight. So I, I'm,
1: you know, so kind op- of your defense against them, right? That's the
0: way that I would try to defend them. Say there's, you know, say we're in a situation where uh, it's just one possession, and you know, maybe yeah. there's 16 seconds left. I'm just trying to think of like a a fist fight, like best defense
1: possible. Yeah. Okay, so I'll give you if say that's their closing lineup. I'll give you what I think the Kings' closing lineup against them should be. Is that kind of what you were doing, or is that too different?
0: I'm just thinking, talking. You had mentioned some guys like it, that are that could be perceived as defensive specialists, or okay. Uh, but yeah, no, I am interested in that as well because that you know that lineup is not going to do great against that team. Uh, you know, on the offensive side of things, although. Although I will say I'm not like super afraid of Lou Williams or or Montrez uh, as far as, uh, you know, their defense isn't really frightening me.
1: So with Beverly and Lou Will, I think that Beverly's almost playing the two guard a little bit more here. And that's what I'm doing with my defense. I'm putting Fox and Buddy. I'm keeping Buddy in here because he's probably your best scorer and can play okay defense. I think he can guard Patrick Beverly and you have De'Aaron Fox guard Lou Williams then I'm totally on board with you of Barnes and uh, Barnes and Ariza as the three, four, it's probably Barnes on Kawhi and Ariza on PG. um, But they can switch a little bit there. I mean, that's just difficult matchups, no matter who you have on your team. Montres Harrell, what made you pick Holmes over Deadman or Bagley?
0: I just see Holmes as a guy that is super high energy, super, uh hot you know he's a very he's a strong dude he gets all he racks up a lot of blocks he's you know i think that he would get fired up uh in the same way that harrell often is a big energy guy like i see them in, in this in a similar vein is like just big time energy bench bruisers
1: yeah okay and i get that and i guess if i'm doing my closing lineups that i'm probably putting bagley at my five and i think hope that he can keep up the intensity of Montrez, which I think that uh, energy-wise he can, but maybe get out strength a little bit, but a little bit of time to Bagley. Like we said, I mean, he's supposed to be one of the guys on this team. My closing lineup against them uh, is probably Fox, Buddy, Barnes, Ariza, Bagley.
0: Yeah, I'm here for it. Let me throw another scenario at you. Um, what if the you know maybe the team in the East right now is the Bucks? Um, you can debate the uh, the you know Philly, which is another we could actually do them as well because they're just such a big, long, tall they are team,
1: hard to guard.
0: Yeah, so maybe let's let's do that. It, let's do them next. But let's talk about Milwaukee for a second. Just if we're trying to get what I'm trying to do here is get to like a maximum shooting lineup. So a team that can kind of Try to play Milwaukee at its own game as far as you know, big yeah. time heavy perimeter work. I mean, you can get some shooters on this on the floor for the Kings this year as well.
1: You can. Um, so I struggle. A lot of my lineups are Fox, Heald, and Barnes somewhere in there. And I can't. I can't fault you there. So I think my shooting is still going to be those three, and then. I mean, Belly and Deadman are probably your best shooters. And you can get around to putting a Riza instead of uh, Belly also because shooting falls off a little, but the defense gets better.
0: Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And I mean, depending on if you're really trying to, I don't know, I don't know what you do with Giannis. So defensively, that
1: becomes a whole nother issue. Yeah. And but. Middleton at the two, I mean, do I really want Buddy guarding him? This is kind of one of those situations where I might consider Ariza uh, at the two, which feels weird to see at say at the two. I mean, at one of the wings, you know, Ariza Barnes, and then if you had Belly also guarding there, who's the, the the four they have, or I guess Giannis is technically that four, or say they have like an Ilyasova in there, one of their good shooters. Belly matches with him, and then you're looking at Fox, Ariza, Barnes. Bagley, Deadman, or wow, I'm screwing this. Belly, Deadman instead of Bagley.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of ways to go with it for sure. I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that one of the ideal scenarios. Uh, I know you you've thrown out as just a very as like a rough comparison that you can see Bagley kind of getting to that Giannis type role, though maybe not necessarily like the super freak that he is, but that kind of role of just that power forward who's going to try to get to the rim basically all the time. And maybe that's something they try to do is just Bagley and shooters. You know, I, I, it's, that's a possibility now.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Giannis is an extremely unique player, obviously. And I've seen a couple different strategies of guarding him. It's either you throw some speed on him uh, that can get in front of him and make him change directions. And then you have the help defense for once he gets to the rim, the help will have a little bit of time to react uh, because of the misdirection. And that quick guy, I almost could see, I guess Ariza doesn't really fit being a quick guy. But I mean, I'm trying to talk myself into a couple different people guarding Giannis here, but it really is hard to justify someone behind Barnes doing it.
0: Yeah, I mean, even Barnes, I don't even know what these... There's there's not anyone on this team that can no. really... I mean, there's but not anyone in the league that that's can That's what really, I was going to say, yeah. Right, but uh, honestly, if I had to... I mean, I'm not actually like super opposed with Harry Giles uh, being a guy that you eventually try to put out there once the foul trouble's behind him, once he mm-hmm. puts on a little more weight, because I do see him eventually being... A four, I think that if he develops that shot he can be a four.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh or just a you know, a combo big, doesn't matter. I think that Bagley can be the same and they can be interchangeable essentially. They can switch with each other. And yeah, I mean depending on uh who you're playing at the four, you can you can try to put homes on Giannis as well and try to go just for a little bit more strength, a little bit more weight and and have homes out there and then just on uh, you know on offense, play him at the five essentially. You know, get someone that you know someone that you're is interchangeable in the front court like that.
1: Yeah, and a guy that can switch on a Giannis. I mean, team defense is huge in the NBA, obviously, but Giannis specifically, of say Giles was the one guarding him. I mean, nobody's stopping him. You're slowing him down, and then you hope, say Holmes or Deadman is there to rim protect a little bit for you. But we can move on to uh, your 76ers idea because I think they are one of the one of the outliers a little bit here in the league of just having insane size to them. So you have Ben Simmons as your point guard, Josh Richardson as your two, Tobias Harris at the three, and then you have Al Horford at the four and Joel Embiid at the five. What do you do here for your Sacramento?
0: Let me throw this at you. How about a bogey, Ariza, Barnes? bagley deadman
1: lineup i like it so my height lineup that i've had before was bogey buddy areza barnes and deadman so pretty close to you i've thought of this same thing it's it's different but you still have the ball handling bogey can play that point guard i'm not the most comfortable with him playing defense uh on ben right. simmons necessarily but well, there's not yeah. a good matchup there you,
0: this that's why i think you'd have to try to have him on richardson and then you've got ariza barnes okay. bagley deadman all big enough all six eight two twenty, uh that can at least pretend to try to deal with the sixers
1: yeah okay i can come around to that i the i mean i'm struggling at Horford at the four and beat at the five though you're pretty I mean Dedman needs to be in the lineup and then I don't know I mean the fours of Bagley belly you know maybe this is one where I would try to run Giles at the four and Deadman at the five
0: yeah that's totally fair and again if you're worried if if you know I think that Holmes has has is another guy that by the way on uh If you're going by that Draymond metric, he was actually higher than anybody on the Kings roster last year. So um, if we're we're believing in him as a defender or defensive specialist, maybe you go, yeah. Maybe you go, God, this is a crazy lineup, but Bogey, Ariza, Barnes, (laughs) Giles, Holmes. Let me say that again. Bogey, Ariza,
1: Barnes giles Holmes. yeah i mean you still have three great shooters you have a playmaker and your defense is nice i mean there's- yeah you
0: got your you got your anchor down low so i mean you got your five you got your one and you got your three wings ish
1: yeah i think that you also could put deadman instead of Holmes, but either way there
0: yeah no 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 doubt i mean that's an option i i Deadman, his defense has—he's a good rim protector. I don't know that he can like handle the the man that is Joel Embiid, but yeah. but uh, I mean, f- again, few can. So it, I'm kind of banking on Holmes being a potential uh like hit again him being like that super center breaker that you kind of bring in matchup wise. Like if you got. If you got an Andre, Andre Drummond or uh, Stephen Adams or a Joel Embiid kind of just beating you up, that maybe you can bring him in there just for like six energy minutes to just try to try to like hit
1: back. And then if TJ McConnell's ever ever on the floor, we match him with a Yogi Ferrell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so we did some tall ball, we did we did some small ball, uh, we did some you know you know all wings all de- we did some yeah all defense some all shooting uh, I think we've pretty much covered as many kind of fluctuations of of lineups here is is reasonable to do so let's go back uh real quick to I'll just run down the minute total here for each guy that i had and and again say higher or lower here okay 32 for fox.
1: That was lower or higher, thirty one point four last year.
0: Or or just say like from what you're if you agree with me, disagree with got me. Got it, got it. Gotcha. Or if okay. You're cool with it. Yeah. You know. Agreed with 30, you there. Thirty two for Fox, cool. Thirty two for Buddy. Agreed. Thirty two for Bagley. Agreed.
1: Yeah, Drop a little down. bit
0: lower. A little bit lower. Okay. Uh thirty two for Barnes. About
1: right. Twenty four for Deadman. Yeah, about right.
0: 24 for bogey
1: yes agreed
0: 16 for joseph
1: agreed i want to say a little higher even but only two minutes or so 16 for Areza? agreed it's just shocking because look again almost 34 for nine of the last 10 years but i think that's about what we have for him available
0: right 16 for belly.
1: Uh, I think it might be a little bit lower. Okay. 16 for Giles. You talk me into it. I think that's about right.
0: Zero for home. Zero for Yogi.
1: Yeah. I mean, they'll see, they'll see minutes in the regular season. Like we talked about. Uh, but I think that down the line, those guys will kind of get worked out of it a little bit. Because yeah. And those I, are still serviceable players. Oh, definitely. And
0: this is, it's matchup based. It's not, for me, I just, and again, it's a thing where I think that the point here is like, yeah, maybe, like you said, maybe you take a few minutes from Bagley, maybe you take a few minutes from Bielitsa, but you, you just, there's no, I mean, how is Corey Joseph going to get more minutes and do Farrell get more minutes? Like yep. maybe to get, you know, there's no, you know, I think that you made an argument for for almost a, you know a lot of these guys to get more minutes, but there's no where they're coming from. It's you know it's a good thing, but again, I'll I'll make this note: like if any of the guards get hurt or have to rest or are playing poorly, that's the that's the minutes for Yogi. Uh, if there's any of the bigs that get hurt or have to rest or you know are playing badly, that's minutes for Holmes. Uh, it's available you know what i mean and then yeah, and then and to sorry
1: go ahead in last year i mean giles gets hurt Kufos is getting minutes and right. if yogi farrell gets hurt frank mason's getting minutes i mean this is a this is a big upgrade this is a big upgrade and it's a
0: deep team and and again like i said those three you know if someone gets hurt if someone's resting if someone uh is playing poorly and the fourth one is again like blowouts like that there is a lineup of guys that will get on the court (laughs) in the fourth quarter of games this year and that's going to die yeah it's going to be yogi rashawn Holmes, uh and you know here here's where my third guy yeah i mean you're you're whatever two ways happen to be in the city at the time and then uh so here's how I rounded out the roster as well. I've got I've penciled in Corey Brewer as uh, oh, yeah. that that depth wing, if Ariza or Barnes misses time. Here you go, Corey Brewer it takes some minutes. I love that. I want to bring him back at the minimum, and then you you can keep Swanigan around because I think there's a legitimate reason to, and that is that he's got guaranteed money on the books, and and that's gonna kind of transfer into. One of the final questions here regarding tradable salaries.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a good way to close it here. Um, v- clearly, I mean, a normal, what you see as a tradable salary is right about that $12 million range is kind of what we're looking at here. And the Kings have a couple different players in this range. And those are going to be Trevor Ariza sitting at his two-year twenty five. Uh, Deadman is getting 13 a year and Joseph is getting 12 a year also. Um, that being said, I mean, Deadman, we've talked about starting center. I don't see him getting moved, maybe down the line. But if we're talking this year, Joseph has a clear role as that backup two or backup one. I'm sorry. Ariza, his minutes could be filled in by some of these other guys. Say Brewer was bought, brought around. Um, Bogey can play down a little bit and different things like that, Um, I don't see what we would necessarily trade it for. Maybe there was an injury and a different need somewhere else or something, but Ariza feels like the most tradable.
0: Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, But at the same time, I feel like you kind of got what you want here. Um, I, I think yeah. you kind of got what you want. I think you got... You got a a one through five starting lineup, and you've got a one through five backup, solid backups in Joseph, Bogey, Ariza, Bielitsa, and then Giles or Holmes, depending on availability, depending on health, depending on who wins that job. And I think that, I think that Holmes contract is intensely tradable. Yeah. Uh, I think that Ariza contract is very tradable, um, with the non guarantee next season, you know, not, upcoming season but the the final year the second year yeah i think those joseph and deadman deals are incredibly tradable as well
1: there's belly too that if you needed to make more money that's almost seven million and he's a serviceable player fits in a lot of places with a non-guaranteed on the second year
0: sure sure and uh again i mean we've brought it up many times before but bogdanovich is a name that's brought around and and one of the reasons for that is that he's owed an extension uh, that by the start of next year, or a new contract, I should say. He's eligible for extension up to four years, $52 million this offseason. If they aren't able to get a deal done, maybe the Kings feel like it's time to move on. But Vlade has a connection with Bogdanovich and Bielica. Uh You see it. He, he talks about it. He is proud to have them playing on uh, the national team, I think that there's there's a connection with those guys. You saw the way that he pulled Beelica back from the brink of going back to Europe. Um, for whatever reason, I feel like those are his dudes. There's a, a cultural connection there. Again, I don't want to be like some weird xenophobe who's like, you know, Serbians stick together, but it does feel like, those guys have a connection, and I and I do think that there's a European connection with this team in general, going back to the days of Peja. So, you know, yeah. I, and to when Vlade played. So there, there's a there's a international quality to this team that, for whatever reason, it makes me feel like Bielitsa and Bogey, those are kings. Like those are kings players, and they'll stick around. Um, there's you know, up and down this whole organization, they value diversity and they value having players from, they've got, you know, they've got a guy from Africa. I mean, G- Gabriel, you know, Sudan is, that's where his, you know, his origins are in Sudan. Like that's a really cool thing. I think that you know, NBA Africa is getting off the ground um, coming up soon as well. I think that there's, there's value to a lot of this stuff. So maybe that was nonsense, but I just see, I just have trouble seeing Vlade being like, all right, Bogey, you're going to the, Thunder for their rebuild for the rest of your career, or, or, Hey, I know I promised I'd, I'd bring you back and I'd take care of you here in Sacramento, but actually I'm kicking you to the curb. Like, you know, after just one season on the three-year deal. So I don't know. I I struggle to see it sometimes, but
1: yeah. And yeah, I think that obviously there's the right situation for it. If you happen to get say the perfect center, I mean, depending on how you feel about Clint Capella, maybe bogey is a guy that, you kind of need to move to do that. And of the core, he's probably the most valuable guy that I'd be willing to move on to. Um, And it's going to come down to, I think Sacramento is going to want him back. It's going to come down to if he's okay with that six-man role. And if he thinks he can get more than that 52 million over four years, which I mean, is a lot of guaranteed money. And I could see him accepting, but who knows what he thinks his market might be a good shooter and playmaker is definitely wanted throughout the league. I think we can dive into him and Bogey or him and Buddy, their extensions coming up uh, a little bit deeper into a different episode. So
0: I I will, I have a little bit more on the trade stuff. Um, This was a question thrown out by John Catterson, friend of the podcast. And he also had asked about the trade options and, and uh, you know, I, I will agree with you by the way that, I think that Bogey is a guy that you know could be coveted by other teams, being on a fairly small contract, just about a little bit less than $9 million this year. But I'll also say that with the way that this roster kind of shook out, he's the only other two-guard on the team yeah. other than Buddy. So I actually think he's become invaluable. I think that he is undeniably the sixth man. I think that's a great role for him. I, I don't think that you come into the league, uh, at the age that you are with the number of knee surgeries you've had and just be like, Hey, I'm spurning $52 million because I'm going to go be a star somewhere. Like the dude's turning 27 next month. I think that if your role is sixth man on a, you know, on a borderline playoff team and, and, you really get along with Buddy. I know he's friends with Buddy off the court. You get really get along with uh, your GM. You get along with the other players on your team. Like this seems like a pretty good situation for him. I don't really see him as like a star chasing guy who's who's going to be you know certain you know he, he doesn't want to demand a trade to the Lakers because he's the final piece there. Like that's just not yeah. who he is. So in a weird way, I think that he's become less tradable. But I think that there's some pieces here that are very tradable. And you mentioned that $12 million line kind of as a, as a good mark. Uh, There's a way to actually get up to that with just the pieces that I feel like are available. So say Rashawn Holmes becomes a little bit ancillary due to, due to Giles breaking out, Giles getting healthy, uh, Deadman being what we think that he is, Bagley playing a little bit up at the five. Seems like there's not a spot for Holmes that's a tradable contract at around 5 million. Um, Yogi Farrell definitely feels tradable. I think that they absolutely could look to move on from him if they can find value for that. Another 3 million there. Uh, and then Swanigan, that's the only reason he's on this team right now is his $2 million uh, contract is guaranteed. So at that that's point, that's 10 million. That's 10 million. And with the 120%, uh, or, uh, you yeah. know, the, the, you can get, up to around $12 million in, in returning salary uh, with that. So, I mean, for me, that's a nice little... Uh, if you need to do something, you need to get one more piece. Rashawn Holmes, Yogi Ferrell, Caleb Swagin as salary filler. You know, I, I mean, I'm, it's just something to throw out there. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, and I think that's enticing from the other team's point of view because those guys can play minutes and none of them... Even go past this year, except for Rashawn Holmes.
0: And they're all pretty young. I mean, uh, yeah. I think I think Yogi and Holmes are 25, 26. Swanigan's obviously young. Um, <laughs> not a, maybe not <laughs> a ton of promise, but I absolutely see like a rebuilding team who maybe has a contract they're not they're not a fan of, has an expiring that they're not a fan of, or isn't gonna do anything for them because they're not in the playoff push. You know, a guy around 10, 11 million. Trade him to the Kings and they get back Holmes and Yogi and they think like, hey, here's two little pieces. Maybe the Kings throw in a first round pick if it's that crucial to make that jump into the, maybe they feel like they can secure an eight seed by giving up a, a first round pick. You know, that yep. can get you something.
1: I think that's all I got, man. Do you feel like there's, there's anything else for this one?
0: That's it. I think I did a lot of incoherent rambling towards the end of that, but that's, that's, that's it for me.
1: You're making sense to me, man. And a lot of where we took this one from, and like we said, there's going to be a little bit of slow time news-wise during this off season. So if you have any ever questions pop into your mind, you can ask us on Twitter. We'll put up Q&A things on there, at Kings underscore Pulse. Reddit is the best place to do it. There will constantly be a and a thread sticky to the top there. You put questions in there, we'll see it, and we will answer those there's discord as well like rich said there's an email also um correct me if i'm wrong it's kings at gmail.com right rich
0: that is correct and we also got uh an instagram uh, account popping. uh brendan is actually making some really cool graphics for that site so go follow us there uh it's kings underscore pulse on instagram
1: there we go. And I think that we're going to start uh, in not too long here doing a couple of these podcasts live and people can listen in there. Let us know if you have interest in that. Um, that'll get us a little bit quicker to doing that if we know that people will be listening and asking questions live time. So stay on the lookout for that. But that's going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening and you will hear from us again in a couple days here.